This is Coda Radio, episode 124, for October 20th, 2014. And welcome to Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this year's show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host, established on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Hey, Chris, how are you? Oh, I'm good. I still have a little bit of a limp from last week's episode, but I'm okay. I'm right. Got a few well, bruises. Yeah, you deserve the beating. Oh, man. Apparently, dude, apparently I got quite the beating last week. And you know what's you know what's great about that? The audience seems like a whole loved it. They just loved Chris taking a beating. Everybody loved old Chris getting a poke. Well, you deserve it. Oh, man, I guess, dude, I guess. So uh, we do have some feedback, as you might expect, from an episode like that. Oh, I, you know, now I, I'm sure they were, um, well, frankly, I did a public service. Uh, <laughs> your lies, yeah. rather your propaganda, yeah. it's uh-huh. gone too far. Yeah, you know, what's funny is uh, then, like, completely unrelated, on the next t- Tuesday show, I once again took a beating for the for the episode. It's two beatings in it. It's just ridiculous. And now i got to travel. You know, uh, next Monday, when we uh, come together, as we do on a Monday, I'll be rattled, grumpy stressed out, sleepy, and maybe sick, and hopefully very hungover, because it's going to be my day back from Ohio Linux Fest. It's going to be a crazy day. I'm going to get in Sunday, and then I'm going to edit like a madman all night and in the morning, and then I'm going to do Coda Radio right after I get out of that marathon session. I'm going to do a Coda Radio with you, all fresh and really, yeah, like super in a good mood. And then I'll go right into last, where I'll be, uh, you know, like, then purely running on adrenaline. I'll bust out a last Sunday, uh, Monday afternoon, crash until Tuesday. And that's my plan for next week. So next week's episode should be 125. That should be one for the record. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll see. I don't know. No promises. Uh, okay. Well, why don't we start with our feedback? Um We'll start with the light stuff. Brandon writes in to give some feedback to P.T. Dave, friend of the show, P.T. Dave, who's teaching. And now we have kind of a series of emails that have come in, uh, giving him some advice on how he could really equip students to actually learn how to develop. He said, I wanted to provide some feedback to P.T. Dave on his course where he has students add features to existing assignment as a way to better understand what they're writing. I would like to suggest you take it a step further and have the students exchange their source code and add a feature. This would be a great thing, in my opinion, as I'm dealing with code-based a code base that started around 2005. I spend most of my days reading code and dealing with the technical debt of previous developers. And it would be a great exercise in working with someone else's mind to understand their reasons for technical decisions and how a different mind would solve the same problems. If, you wouldn't, if it wouldn't be possible for some reason, of course, he could always have the students pick an open-source project. He says, by the way... I thoroughly enjoyed Mike poking the proverbial Linux bear after Monday. I had a much-needed laugh. Chris has really been taking a beating between Monday and last week's Unplugged. Thanks for the great shows, Brandon. He deserves it. Yeah. <laughs> wow, dude. I don't even understand what I did. I don't even understand. Well, But uh, we continue on. Uh, Mike writes in, and he's, uh, I'm, this was a really long email, so I'm going to try to get through it kind of paraphrasical. Is that a word? Can I use that? Go ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, I'm gonna do dynamic, real-time Fluid paraphrasical reading of this email. How is that? Real-time, fluid, dynamic, paraphrasical reading. Um, so Mike writes in, not, not uh, Michael Dominic, but it turns out there's another one out there, which is... Oh, my God. I don't know, I don't know how we're going to keep this straight. Uh, it's super confusing. So he says, hey, guys, huge fan of the show, but unfortunately I don't really get to listen to the live broadcast, so I listen to the Frozen stuff when I get some free time. Hmm. What I like most about JB shows is that you guys make t- tech fun, so cheers to that. So if I understand correctly, Mike is more of a Mac dude, and he's basically harassing Chris into accepting that Linux could be a better desktop, but not better than the Mac, or something like that. <clears throat> well, Mike, 
And by the way, this guy's name is Mike. He's also a developer. He works as a Java developer for a company. He says a really huge company that you hear a lot about in the news that deals with banking and risk management software after years of trying to find the way to actually develop Scott's in Java. toilet tissue. I'm sorry, what? What, what? Uh, he says, Scott's. we tried on Windows, but becoming an alcoholic with frequent nervous breakdowns, at the end of it, I moved to Linux Mint. Uh, and he says, he just ran, he just gives us a few reasons. He says, it's great for enterprise, great development. Why do you ask? Number one, developing on the ex- same exact architecture and platform that your deployment app services and databases run on is great. If you're doing Java for the desktop apps, then Linux is, is, is perfect. It's 100% compatible. Development on Linux is fun, and Linux is a fun environment for me to work in. The OS itself can be tweaked and brought to a state that I like. It will never expire in licenses in my face, blocking me from doing my work. That actually, that actually was, at one point, a... Funny enough, he says that uh, there was a school district that I worked at that pretty much switched entirely to Linux because of some license code problems and entering the wrong CD key. And they're like, "Well, we don't, we don't have the right CD key. We're not going to be able to do this tonight." Well, I guess there's this Linux thing. I don't think it has a CD key. You could use that. Really? All right, let's try that. And that was literally what began the entire process of school district switching to Linux. Anyways, Eclipse it works best on Linux, he says, than any other platforms, and that's the ID he's using. And he talks, about, he talks about the shell and how he has a lot of commands there he needs for backing up his work, like rsync and targz. All these things work great for him. He says, uh, that, uh, he says, don't mind me being a Linux fanboy, though. Keep on harassing, tormenting, and burning Chris and all his Linux fanboy talk. I find it quite amusing. It's basically one of the reasons I like Coda Radio so much. Ouch! So uh, li- making Chris suffer. He likes it because you... Oh, wow. Wow, the audience really has it in for me, I think. Uh, that's because, you're, because you won't use a real operating system. I, I don't think that's it. I don't think that's, I don't, I don't think that's it. Uh, all I right. think it is. Uh, so we are booking, and we have a couple of more bits of feedback. Are we, like, making record time through our email? Uh, we're, today? like, burning through email today. Yeah. I mean, we're never this quick. It's because you're, probably... say, you're not saying anything. You're just hum and hawing over there. You're just yeah. hum and, and hawing. I, I heard a rumor that you tend to work during the show sometimes. I think that would be uh, – I think that rumor – I think what you heard was not so much a rumor as it is something that you're doing right now. Like a projection almost? <laughs> you're not supposed to work during – the show is work, really, you see. You see. Uh, but all right. So uh, we'll get into some stuff that will wake you up. But uh, we right. do have a couple more updates. I know it's the update stuff. You know, maybe – I don't know. Maybe people should let us know. Do you like hearing updates and, and follow-ups to this kind of stuff? I think people like to hear a continuing narrative, but maybe I am wrong. We don't have to do it either. We could come up with something else. Maybe we could do like, like a, I don't know, we could talk about steak and coffee instead. We could do that. Uh, all right, so Texas Linux user. All right, Mike. Mr. Mac Snug user over there. Something or other. other it's, it's, See, Linux makes you illiterate. He can't talk. I just, you know, I'm just, I'm just don't, I don't like. I don't like it. I don't like it, Mike. It's me. Yeah, uh, Mac is too stable. All right, so here, all right. Here, here you go. Here you go, Mr. Switcher. Texas Linux user writes in. Now, Texas Linux user. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Can I troll you for a second? Yeah. So I got a package from my good friends at T-Mobile. And fun fact, so they put the wrong SIM card in the phone, which is a little stupid. but um, It was the largest phone I've ever seen. Is it the Nexus 6? You might now. You might say it is a, an iPhone 7. Is it the Nexus? What, what, what is it? What is it? It's, the it's largest? an iPhone 6 Plus. Oh, you got a 6 Plus, huh? I am not sure how I feel about it. So, uh, how the hell did this happen? <laughs> like, where the hell did this come from? Well, so the company is moving over to T-Mobile. Right? FTT is moving over to T-Mobile. For various cost and coverage reasons. The, uh, the unlimited uh, data and the unlimited calling in particular is super beneficial to us, right? So the deal with T-Mobile is we've previously had Verizon. So all of our phones are totally incompatible. Oh, right, yeah. Right, so that that's like, it's like the, it's like Pain our the office butt. is where phones are going to die right now. Yeah, I hate that. Oh, oh, that's the worst. Now T-Mobile has this thing where they will give you the phone kind of on like a weird payment plan. So I'm like, all right, well, whatever. So one guy's got a uh, Nexus, uh, not a Nexus, I'm sorry, a um, Samsung S5. Mm, okay. Uh, some uh, girl who works at there has a curved Android phone called the I think it's like the LG Bend or something. I every time I see it, I think it's broken. I look at this thing and I'm like, oh my god! She yeah, I've seen phone. that. Yeah, I've seen. I, that. I can't tolerate that. It is weird, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm like, they're like, all right, well, what do you want to order, Mister Dominic? I'm like, hmm. So I'm like, go big or go home. 
iPhone 6 Plus. Have you ever had like a Note or a phone this big before? Were you prepared? Holy crap, no. So I held it in my hand. I'm like, all right, let me, let me, let me try to get my thumb to the top left of the... the yeah. Jesus Christ. It's too big. It is too big. It Okay, so this is... I think we've gone too far. And I I think now there's all this momentum behind these large screens, and I think they're too big. And I think people are going to be buying these large screen phones, and they're going to be bailing on them. And the only reason I say that is because I was I was all in for like two or three months on my Note Two because like right. I was I loved it for reading and I loved it for navigation. It the screen like it's so great for nav. Uh, however, beyond that, the thing is, is I keep my phone in my pocket all day long. And 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 so at the end of the day, like if it's not comfortable in my pocket, that is sort of like a huge factor for me. And I, I I'm looking at this Nexus Six now, and I'm thinking six inches or five point nine or whatever it is. It's too big. It is. I don't want a phone that big, but I want a modern phone. I want a phone with the latest generation battery, latest generation cell uh, equipment, latest generation processors and GPU and all of that. I want all of that, but I just don't want a huge screen. All right, but uh, so this is interesting, right? Because you know it's autumn, well, everywhere in the country, right? So it's, it was fifty degrees this morning. I'm wearing a jacket now. The phone comes. First of all, I did not realize how big this thing was going to be. <laughs> so I open the box and I'm like, oh shit! So I try to put it in my jeans pocket, and it, it gets in there, right? But this is not a great fit, and I'm not wearing emo skinny jeans or anything. I'm wearing you know normal like Levi jeans. So I'm like, okay, well, this is kind of terrible. I'm looking up, you know, you remember those holsters from the 90s? Yes. Yeah, like the OK Corral? That's Alan Jude still uses one. Does he really? He does, yes. Well, he does. I think a few folks out there do. So then I, you know, I had to go to lunch. I picked up my jacket. This device fits beautifully in a man's jacket pocket. Yeah. The problem is in the summer right. in New Jersey, when yeah. it's, you know, 100, 100 degrees with 4,000% humidity, um, that's that's so here's my question now you've had it for how long now four hours and it's not even activated correctly oh okay the rep made a mistake and put the wrong sim card so if the battery turns out to be as crazy great as you've probably read is that like is that a fair trade-off for you so the reason i went with the plus was i have like i carry a, a scary amount of kit with me everywhere i go now like i have a macbook pro a couple cables a phone another phone and a ipad I feel like this phone could be my phone and the iPad. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Like it's, it's not. I a think joke. it could too. Like that's, that's what I was going to ask you. Is like, doesn't this kind of kill the tablet a little bit? Like, if you're going to go this big, like, it's what's the point of having a tablet unless it's like a huge tablet? Um, I don't know. Like, what do you do on your on your tablet? Mostly, uh, I read. I like to think I game, but I'm never really satisfied with any of the games, so I don't play them very long. Oh, FIFA, FIFA, man, play some FIFA. Well, maybe. I mean, what I mostly use them for is uh, a secondary screen for watching uh, TV or Twitch or uh, Netflix or Plex, or mm-hmm. I'm using it for Instapaper mostly, or a uh, Kindle. Um, I do use like. I have like a hundred apps on there, so I mean, there's a lot of different little things I do that I think the iPad's best at for tap than for all tablets. But you know, the bulk of the majority of what I do, I find I could easily do it on any any particular tablet or any large screen device, and that's why I was thinking with the Plus, I could probably do all that on a screen that size. I just don't want to carry that all day long. I that's mean, my main thing. I see. I, what I like is a small screen for my pocket, a big screen when I want to sort of lounge more. So. You- I've been tracking, right? So my most common, um, you know, mobile phone activities are podcasts, Audible, and uh, you know, pocket or into the paper, depending on which one I'm using that month. That's it. And oh, Kindle, right? Kindle, of course. I mean, I I don't text a whole lot. I mean, I use Slack, but that's kind of you know, Slack's that work thing. That how's the uh, keyboard? Do you feel like it's easier to type on a screen that size? No, I feel like that. So when I was first launching it, and it's like typing your Wi-Fi password, that I I already started to get a little. Hmm. I think I'm. I just have a lot of muscle memory on the smaller screen. Is what the problem. Really? Is, okay. That so, I'm having to kind of unlearn. Huh. 
I, uh, I I'm I'm surprised you went with that. I thought you were all I thought you were all dogging on iOS these days and kind of been, being an Android guy. You know, I'm I'm switching back and forth. Um, you know, I part do of too. It, part of it's at FTT. I've had to take a lot of lead dev on iOS myself. So it, you know, there's a little bit of synergy there, right? Having an actual phone and being able to test. The other thing is, let's be honest. I'm going to plop down 300 bucks and get the Nexus Six. Like, are you? You know, I'd like to say that I'm going to show a little more discipline than that. <laughs> but I, 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 I'm going to stop lying to myself. Oh, wow, you're just giving it. See, I think, I think I'm drawing in. the line. I think I'm like Captain Picard up here, and I'm like, this line, no father. It must be drawn here. I'm All like, right, but you know, you know he did get assimilated. In fact, I just, I just yesterday watched the episode where he meets the Borg, and I was like, oh, this sucks so much. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Although, I, let me ask you this. The Nexus 9, because I, I certainly don't want to go for both, because that's right. like, that's, that's the, like going full native. Now right? here's that's going I, crazy. This is what I'm thinking. Is but okay. I think the Nexus Nine, but spec wise, is a crazy great. It's got the latest uh, Tegra. It's a, beast. In, it's a yeah. yeah. It's a monster, and the battery in that thing is huge. So it and the screen looks gorgeous. It the design is still so plain, but whatever. That's fine because uh, it's very functional. I I I do. Do we have a price yet though? Yeah, four hundred bucks. Okay, all right. So here's the so, question: so though. Why do you need a nine-inch screen if you've got a fi- almost a six-inch phone? Okay, if we're gonna start, you know, questioning people's tech purchases and it's rational, well, then no, no. Here's why. Here's where I'm. Here's this is what I'm driving towards. Is I think a lot of people are very pragmatic when it comes to spending that kind of money, and right. a lot of people are just gonna shoot for the larger format screen. And there's a lot of reasons why. A tablet. Uh, needs data all the time. And a lot of people don't want to pay for two data plans, right? You get a larger screen phone, you have one data plan, you have data with you everywhere you go, plus you're always going to need your phone anyways because you have to make calls. You need to do text messaging. So the smartphone always wins in that regard. And then the tablet, the thing is... Like, it's a great device, but then it kind of just becomes a device that you're either going to put cellular in and pay for all the time or keep in the house. So this is the issue I'm having right now, right? A lot of my non-dev work I could straight up do on an iPad or, you know, equivalent Android or Windows tablet, right? But all the tablets I have are Wi-Fi. Right. So the minute I go really anywhere that's not my office or my house, I'm back to my little screen now with the iPhone 6 Plus it's not so little. Right. <laughs> and the thing is, is now you have, you know, and, and you know what, let's be honest, like, it's nice having all of your apps set up on one thing. You got all yeah. your passwords and your logins to all your, you're logged into all the different accounts to all the different social networks, whatever, on one device. And that tablet just gets used less and less and less and less because especially when you have a larger format. So here's where I'm, this is what I'm driving at is you rewind to 2010, 2011, 2012. It was all about the tablets. iPads changing the world. Everything's going tablets. PC is dead. Now we're getting to this point. It's like, well, maybe actually tablet sales are starting to decline and tablets are down and the new iPads are super boring, right? I mean, the high end one has that cool processor in it, but like, what's yeah, happening with the iPad mini line is ridiculous, that. right? And it's well, actually what's happening with that mini line is kind of terrible for developers. Yeah, um, it's locking people into that A5 processor, which totally holds back developers' hands. Right. I mean, only if you're a game developer does it hold you back. But well, in a sense, but then it also means you're supporting older devices that just don't perform as well, and so your your software is a little more sluggish. And the lineup is. I showed the lineup to Angela last night to to ask Too her. Big. She, yeah, she had. She's like, wait a minute. There's like three iPad Minis, and what's the difference? And so I, the thing that I don't understand is why would you want a Mini at this point, right? I mean, if you're in the iOS ecosystem, and also from a dev perspective, you know. I'm a developer, predominantly a Cocoa developer, right? Why would I target the iPad mini over the iPhone 6 nope. and 6 Plus? Sorry, I kicked my I kicked my headphones out. That's okay. Go ahead. No, I was asking. I'm a little concerned because as a developer myself, I'm looking at this. I, I can't really justify allocating resources to target the iPad mini or even the iPad itself. I think tablets are dead. I think well, for develop- that, I think in terms of for developers' interest, I think they're dead. I don't think they're dead for consumers, but I think they're going to be second class all the time. Now. Well, I think they're content machines, right? They're 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 your your simple terminal yeah. into your your preferred content. Like yeah. you know, I mean, let's be honest. 
my top apps are all content con- consumption apps, right. right? And there's going to be certain workloads where a tablet is still the preferred device. Like I could totally see, like in a medical office, when you're going there taking patient notes, or or there's some workloads where a tablet is ideal. But I think as far as like every developer has to have a tablet version of their app, or every every company has to have a tablet app, or there has to always be a tablet version of this. I I think that's I think that's going away. I think what you're going to have is essentially. So I can tell you from like being in the, you know in the mobile industry, I don't think that was ever a thing other than for content companies. I well, I think I've what you're going to have now though is you're going to have more of the Android approach across the whole the whole all the Apple all the Apple devices and everything where it's the UI will work on a tablet. We're not we're not seeing that. You start actually no, I have a few apps now that uh, were uh, that are iPhone apps that now just sort of auto scale really? up to the iPad. Yeah, you want so, you, you know, Overcast I'm, is one of them. I'm, I'm just thinking in, in you know sales meetings, things like that. At least our customers kind of don't care about tablets. <laughs> like we have right. a few yep. that do, right? And, yeah. But they they specifically care about tablets, and right. they tend not to care about phones. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because that's a, but yeah, it's the work it's the work case. Yeah. Right. It's like we're an enterprise. You know, we, our apps are going to be on the store. I know it's crazy, and I, and I look and but I honestly but I I think it's gone too far. I think honestly. I, so you think I, it's too big on the phones? I think when you, st- I, I think if you use that five five point five for a few months, you wouldn't order a Nexus six. If you if you order the Nexus six before you've had the five the, the uh, iPhone six plus for a couple whatever it is six plus, it's confusing because it's five point five inches, but it's called the iPhone six. You know that, that, that is a little confusing. But anyways, so, I, I think if you used it for a couple of months, you you wouldn't order a Nexus six because you'll just just decide it's way too effing big, especially well, when think, it comes I in the spring I and summer. We'll stick with iOS more or less, only because of, I, the ability to do that call integration with Mac and pick up calls and there's a lot of advantages to that. You know what I'm digging is Touch ID. I think that's really? I think I think that's a big deal. I really do because I'm starting to see more apps they're getting updated with so Dropbox now supports Touch ID, LastPass, Mint supports Touch ID, uh, Apple Pay supports Touch ID and it's it is pretty flawless. My wife and I have been uh, we've set up each other's fingers on there so she can put her finger on my thing and it unlocks the phone. It's pretty nice. I think Android. I think all Android phones need to get it. Ah, really? What? That's, this is the best fingerprint reader I have ever used, and I have, I have struggled with fingerprint readers that come built into laptops, smartphones, PDAs, and the worst. All of those fingerprint readers at data centers, which are the worst ever, especially because you've been carrying a box, and so your hands are all screwed up, and you put your hand on the thing, and it never works. And Touch ID. I, it, I can't even remember the last time it didn't work for me. Unless my hand's wet. So I haven't tried it yet. But. Oh, well, why not? It's great. I've always, I'm afraid it's just like not going to work and I'm going to be screwed. Well, no, because you can always get in still with your passcode. When Touch ID fails, it falls back to the passcode. It is, it is really, I, I mean... It feels like the future when when you go to get an app and then you just use Touch ID to authenticate. And and the thing is, there's Android devices out there that have these fingerprint readers, but they all suck. They're really bad. And it's it for me, it gives a great. I would like to see. I would like to see something like Touch ID take off that works everywhere, because it's so much better than using my password. I and I don't know how you could do it. Maybe people could make Touch ID USB accessories or i don't know it sounds jank i guess in in large scale it would never work but i would love to see something like it take off because i think passwords have got to go away mm, okay anyways uh let's read that guy's email yeah so that uh uh texas linux user wrote in and uh but before we get to that you know what we should probably thank our first sponsor for this episode and that is digital ocean head over to digitalocean.com right now and arm yourself with the knowledge of our promo code which is Coder October, lowercase, all one word, Coder October, to get a $10 credit over at DigitalOcean. Now, James wrote in today and said that he got a DigitalOcean drop that spun up, I think he said, in 23 seconds. That's amazing. DigitalOcean is so cool. Have you heard of them? Because they're a simple cloud hosting provider that's dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. Users can create a cloud server in probably about 55 seconds, unless you're a boss like James and get it up in 23 seconds. Woo woo woo! He must have been doing that in London. I don't know. I know they have some great gear, and pricing plans start at only $5 a month. That'll get you a 512 megabyte of RAM rig with 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer connected to tier one bandwidth because DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York. They got them in San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London. You can check out their Instagram feed. I think there's just DigitalOcean on Instagram. 
Uh, and uh, you can see some pictures of their data center. They have some, I think, I, I, some of the best-looking data center pictures I've ever seen. And I know maybe that's just only something I'm into, but there's got to be somebody else out there that loves themselves a little data center porn like I do. And one of the best things about DigitalOcean is that interface. It's simple. That control panel is intuitive. And power users can replicate the control panel on a much larger scale with DigitalOcean's straightforward API. You can make backups, snapshots before you go do something big on the rig or go deploy something brand new and you want to make sure that you could just revert right back to its previous stage. It's easy to spin up a droplet if you need extra capacity for a few days when you're launching something. They even have hourly pricing, which is incredible, especially when you consider you can have your droplet ready to go and then spin it up when you need it. They have ready-to-go one-click applications integrated with Docker. They work with the CoreOS project if you'd like to run CoreOS on there. But here's something that's brand new. DigitalOcean wants to get their community tutorials up to the next level. They want to have the best in the business, and so they're willing to pay up to $200 for technical tutorials. And you could be one of the people that writes them. And DigitalOcean has editors that will work with you to make sure they're ready to go. So you can find the link in our show notes. You can get paid to write for DigitalOcean up to $200 for a technical tutorial. That's pretty cool. So go over to DigitalOcean.com, check them out, and use the promo code CODER, October, one word. Lowercase. Coder. October. Over at DigitalOcean.com. Thanks, DigitalOcean. Okay. So now, finally getting to that email. Uh, Texas Linux user wrote in. He says, hey, Chris and Mike, I wrote a while back about a Linux user and how I was going to be switching to Mac. And I thought I'd let you know how the transition went. First, I want to, thanks to, all the, I want to say to, thank you to all the, for all the advice, but... I have some news. Maybe Chris will be happy to hear this. I've not made the switch. In fact, I'm still rocking Linux. To make a long story short, I decided that the value wasn't there for the MacBook. I didn't want to buy it. It was too expensive. I rebuilt my Chromebook and installed Linux on there. He didn't really like uh, Chrome OS very much. So he flashed the BIOS, so he has the straight BIOS. And now he's running Linux on an old Chrome OS Lubuntu 14.04. He says it's a win-win, although he wishes he could still buy a Mac. But for now, he'll, he'll stick with Linux. Seems to be that hardware really draws people in. People really want that MacBook hardware. And so I was doing uh, a little experiment last night. I went online to see what, uh, what you could basically get for uh, a super high-resolution screen, um, SSDs, discrete graphics, uh, lightweight, long battery life. And the MacBook is still pretty competitive, although there is some other ones out there. Name brands I'm not super familiar with, but also I haven't looked for PCs for a long time. I don't really – it's either it's – either, I either buy pretty much a Mac or a System76, so I'm kind of boring like that. But uh, there was a lot out there, but none of them really uh, brought all of it together. Like there's different – different things were better at certain things. Like there was machines out there that had better video cards than the Mac and a better battery life. Or they had a better video card and a higher, res- re- higher resolution screen, but they were super huge and heavy. Or there were some that were all of these things, but they had a tiny screen. Like, it was a really odd, like, all over the spectrum. And you can see really what Apple's strategy is with the MacBook, because they, sort of t- they sort of zero in on 80%, an 80% solution that works for most people. Unfortunately, it doesn't have an Ethernet port, and it works for both Linux. Uh, I don't know, though, if I agree about the price. I actually kind of think it might be a fairly reasonable price. It's it is expensive, but when you factor in build quality and the quality yeah, of materials, it's probably. I mean, do you figure there's probably what a two hundred dollar Apple tax? Maybe. It greatly depends on which one you're going for, right? For instance, that new um, Retina iMac that came out. Yeah. Starts at twenty five hundred dollars. Now that seems like crackhead prices these days, right? Mm, but actually, know. when you start breaking down the components, what other I, I always like to compare Apple to Dell because we buy Dells and Apples. Um, it's really not that big of a tax. Yeah, I'm looking at the specs right now. Like so the, the worst, the worst bang for your buck tend to be the low end models. Actually, I'm, I'm going to go the to the Mac store. Mac minis are are terrible. <laughs> so I'm going to go to the store right now. I'm going to go shopping. Yeah, go I'm going to get a new. Oh, sh- sh- you know, the chat room wants us to talk about the Mac Mini too. Sorry to all of you at home who don't care about this, but this is what we're talking about today, and the chat room. Uh, has some questions. So, uh, so a 5K Retina starts at twenty five hundred dollars. You get a quad core, uh, three point five gigahertz i five. You get eight gigabytes of RAM, which probably is insufficient. A one terabyte Fusion drive, which is a combo spinning drive and a SSD cache. A Radeon R. So, 
I mean, to be to be frank, these specs are are below what I I would honestly I would get a four gigahertz i seven. I would get a minimum of thirty two gigs of RAM or probably sixteen since the Mac is serviceable, and I would do a one terabyte flash and I would upgrade the video. So my Mac Mini is or my iMac is four thousand dollars if I was going to get this for editing. Yeah, but uh, there are seriously screens that are not even that nice that start around half that price. So I mean, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, and I don't want to talk too much about this, but this Retina stuff is like maybe it's because I haven't seen a desktop Retina machine in person. But I'm, I'm looking here at my MacBook Pro Retina; it's nice. But I hook it up to a non-Retina monitor when I'm at work, right? A high-res monitor, but non-Retina, and I am perfectly happy. Mm. In fact, I don't even run it in full Retina mode because everything's too damn small. So, do we need this? I, I, maybe, maybe I'm a little like you, a curmudgeon, where you are with your phone sizes. I'm getting like this with resolution. Because I'm just thinking back to like my first monitor was, well, crap, and I was perfectly happy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely on the other side of this. I always want as much resolution as possible. I want the highest resolution screen whenever I can. Now that said, I actually really my Bonobo is a 17 inch 1920 by 1080, and as far as like reading. Out of all of my screens, that's my favorite one to read from. Right. But like when I'm working and I have multiple windows up or editing, oh my gosh. See, what's brilliant about this being a 5K display is it means you can have full resolution 4K video in the Final Cut preview window and still have room for all of the application Chrome, the bins, every the timeline, everything. So the fact that this is 5K is not a gimmick. It is, it is ex- 4K was insufficient for video editors because we need to edit in 4K, but we still have to have room for the edit door. Mm. So okay. 5K is it is it is brilliant. Now, here at JB, we're doing 720p. And we've actually discussed when we upgrade, we're not going to go to 1080p. We'll go to 4K whenever that bump happens, which is probably a little bit off. Um, I also, like for me, it's just as much screen real estate as possible because – for example, you mentioned the MacBook Pro Retina. We have one here in the studio, and that's if we had to go somewhere today and bring Wirecast with us, we would grab that, and we we have this tool that disables the the Retina mode. It disables like the the pixel right. doubling or whatever it is that Apple's doing, and it actually makes the panel run in its native huge ass resolution, and it's 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 brilliant because you can fit. Everything you need to do a live internet broadcast with visuals and chat rooms and Wirecast and audio streams and all of it, even a mumble room, all of it fits on one laptop screen. So it's, you know, for me, bigger the better in terms of resolution. I know, I'm totally on the opposite end of the phone. Yeah, I mean, I I guess that's why, like, all right. Here's what I think we should talk about is the hell are we going to do with the fact that Apple is essentially uh, abandoning slowly but surely uh, the 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 cheaper low end Mac market. Like the new Mac Mini is the new Mac Mini is a disaster. It is a total disaster. All right, let's oh because oh, I'm furnishing our offices with them. So oh, so do I'm I need so to, upset. I do, am so do upset. Do I need to stop this? Why? Well, so, so first of all, why. first of all, they barely eke out any performance above the old version. They are yeah. hobbled. The memory is soldered in. You cannot. I, you cannot. I, well, slow your roll. I mean. Let's just okay. So we should go through the specs on the machines before we start ripping them apart. Right? Oh, I'm so upset! I can't do it. All right, I... So the base model for five hundred dollars, yeah, is right. a one point four gigahertz i five four gigs memory, five hundred gigabytes RAM, no graphics card or Intel. That doesn't count. Yeah, so not uh, enough so, so memory. That, no one should buy that machine, right? Right. Like, so should we start at mid level? What do you want to start with the Mac Mini? I think you have to start at the seven hundred dollar unit. Yeah, I, I think you do too, because then you get eight gigs. I think this is a respectable working machine. Right, like you, you could give this to yes, someone and right. expect them to do that. Two point six gigahertz dual core right. is sufficient for probably most office work. Right, eight gigs of RAM, one terabyte hard drive. Well, but that terabyte hard drive is fifty four hundred RPM. That's pretty bad for office workers, though. Uh, Come on, are you are you are you rocking Google Drive? But here's what sucks: SSD? is look, look what your options are. You can get a two hundred and fifty six gigabyte flash storage or a one terabyte fusion storage. Well, I would never trust a fusion drive. With HFS, so I'd have to go flash storage. But the biggest I can get is two fifty six. That's ridiculous. So I think you just hit upon something very important. The issue with OS ten is not OS ten, right? It's really HFS. Yeah. Like the worst part of your Mac, the part most likely to fail. Yeah. 
Particularly if you're a developer, you care about this. Or a video, or a video editor. We we almost completely lost a pre-recorded episode of TechSnap. The only way we got it back was because uh, a viewer, Humi in the chat room, had a backup of our live stream of it because our HFS array completely died. The drives are all fine, as far as I can tell. HFS needs to be taken out and shot. It's not even production ready, and it drives me crazy. Well, they keep ha- it's, it's like Frankenstein's monster. They keep adding stuff so, to it. I guess here's my point, though, about this Mac Mini. is uh, Here's why it bothers me. is I waited 700 days for an updated model. So I, what, what I need is I need a low-profile, sort of middle-of-the-road Mac that can run a second copy of Wirecast to keep a backup of our stream and manage multiple stream destinations. So we can stream to all kinds of places, multiple bit rates, and stuff like that. To do that, I need an i7 processor. You can't even get an i7 processor in the Mac Mini. At least on the middle one. Let me go see on the high-end one. Yes, you can. Still not enough, though. So he- here's what worries me about the Mac Mini. 16 right? and this gigs, is someone- and it's soldered. That's the maximum amount of RAM. It's just not. This is not enough. Oh, but it is soldered in. Yes, it's not. It's not user upgradable memory. The Mac Mini is now just a, is a sealed device. You can't upgrade the drive or any of the parts. So on the higher end Mac Mini, you can get a terabyte PCI, but I would get a five twelve. I don't need a terabyte for what this thing would be doing. So here's the deal, though, right? So you're you're buying a machine for office workers, right? My Mac Mini though is fifteen hundred dollars, and it's just that's way too much money for what you get. See, this is where yeah. they rob you. See, I, where I think the iMac is a good value when you can when you factor in that five K screen and the fact that you get a you get a, an, a great processor. This, however, you this is this. It's not even. I don't even believe it's Iris Pro graphics. I'm not sure. It depends on which model you get, perhaps. But I think like the graphics are like exceptionally low end. Which means it won't be able to do some of the uh, video decoding I need. It's a pretty disappointing update. And it, what it is, is it, it reminds me why it's, it's a bad strategy when part of your platform depends on Apple to keep something that obviously is not a priority for them going. Okay, so let's say you're in my position, right? You need to make this purchase order. Would you then just jump to the, the iMac? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I guess I have to. So you're it, saying you would furnish an entire office with iMacs? Running OS X software. Do you already have the screens? No, I'm, I'm more trolling you again, but... Well, no, I, that's I a serious. If you, if you already yeah. have all the screens and keyboard and mouse, then probably I would go a mini for office workers. But right. for what we're doing... See, I guess what my point is, is I just need literally a, a little bit more CPU, and I need 32 gigs of RAM. Right. That's all I need. And if I, had, if I had one class better processor, a little bit more memory... Oh, and if they put the Iris graphics in there instead of the HD 5000 graphics in there... Or whatever well, it is. The range and up has the iris, I thought. Okay, maybe it is. Yeah, I, I yeah. can't. I, it gets, it's confusing. The, the lineup is not as straightforward as it used to be. So I am upgrading my machine, but do you know what I'm doing? I'm just getting a bigger hard drive. Yeah, I, I guess like these I mean, Mac. I look at these Mac Minis and I think it, you know for non for for Office Works they're fine, but I don't, I, for developers, I, these are these are pretty low end for a developer. And I, the iMac is in a better range, but then it's you know. I guess my core point is is I continue to see the need for a Hackintosh. Like, the the recent line of Apple updates has not alleviated my desire to just build a Hackintosh because then I can have a tower with PCI cards, multiple hard drives, and unbelievably lower cost. I really, in this one case, just need, just need a lot of CPU, a lot of RAM, and a couple of PCI capture cards. Or, or Thunderbolt. Anyways, so the problem is every time I configure a developer's machine, you know, we we offer you can use any OS you want. You get a Dell or a, a Mac, and you could actually use Linux, even though that's a bad choice. It's amazing how much cheaper the Dells feel until you realize you're not getting some of the stuff built in. Does that make any sense? I no, I I'm not going to sit here and argue that I I, you're, I actually agree. I think the Apple yeah. hardware premium is, is essentially worth it, especially when you consider uh, there's the extra benefits of they have physical stores, and when you're a business and you have a piece of equipment that's really important, the fact that I could jump in my truck and drive a Mac Pro down to the Apple store is a huge benefit that is almost worth an extra two hundred dollars right on the purchase price right there. Yeah, because that's my type of work. I'm not saying that's true for everybody. Uh, I, I also think that uh, out of all of the computers that we have here in the studio, the custom-built machines tend to die after a few years. Something goes out, power supply, drives, fans, something always goes out. Meanwhile, uh, we end up with a whole bunch of old effing Macs sitting around because they just kind of keep on running. 
Uh, so I'm not arguing their value. What I'm arguing is is they're not investing enough in them to make them competitive products. And then when you have software that is locked into them, and for me mm-hmm. it's production software, I don't have a great option because I don't. I I essentially need a Mac Pro. I needed a mini Mac Pro is what I needed. I needed. I didn't need something as powerful as a Mac Pro, but I needed something that had a uh, few extra Thunderbolt. You, you needed an update to the old Mac Pro. You needed the Silver Tower yeah. of Doom. Yeah, I basically. suppose. That's why, yeah. I'm th- that's why I'm thinking of Hackintosh. And, I, and you know, and, what really, and really, like we were just talking about it, like literally right before I got on air, is what we're doing in the, in the background is we're building a secondary setup to do live stream camera, camera live stream events that's powered by a Linux box. And over time, we might just mature that solution into something that I could just roll onto my own setup. But right now, I think that's a couple of years away still. Okay. It's frustrating. We still have more emails to get to. Yeah, let's do it. We are really off the rails today. Well, you know. And, you know, here's another thing that's surprising, by the way. is The old iMacs, it didn't get Retina. I don't even think that Apple bumped them. Like, I don't, I don't think anything's changed about them at all. No, they haven't. And, and to me, that's the workhorse of the Mac line for, like, not even tech people, right? For just, like, general companies that are running Macintosh. And I can tell you, every business I've been to where they're running Mac, they're running iMacs. Like, or, or some form of laptop. So it's a little weird to me that the non-retina iMac didn't get any love, but whatever. Yeah, and I know part of it is Intel uh, is sort of behind on their processors. Like the processors are supposed to have that towards the end of this year and now bump to next year. So there's not like a lot of incentive, but yeah. Uh, I, uh, I I just, I don't know. I, my, I love my Bonobo, but I honestly want something about the size and weight of a MacBook Pro with the horsepower of my Bonobo, which is about what a Mac Pro has, but I want something that runs Linux really well. So what I want, honestly, is I want the System76 Ultra Pro with an even higher resolution screen and, um, like, a next-generation Intel processor and graphics, but Intel's behind. So it's just kind of in limbo. Sucks. Anyways, moving on to uh, PC Wiz's email. In fact, you know what? <laughs> we should probably actually thank another sponsor. And we then should, we'll, get, yeah. we'll get to PC Wiz's email. Uh, Linux Academy. Linux Academy is uh, a longtime sponsor now of the Code Radio program. It's fun to be able to say longtime sponsor because you, you, know, you have to be with us for a certain point in time before we get to say that. And there's a reason for it. Linux Academy has been producing great results for our audience. Well, we'll get questions. We have one today that comes into the show. Is, How do I keep my skills relevant, especially as my life gets more complicated? And I get more busy. And honestly, I have a little bit of uh, I, I'm not maybe as confident in myself and my abilities to stay current as I'd like to be. Well, Linux Academy can fit in here. Or if you want to get your skill levels up or if you've been thrown into a situation where you need to adapt quickly or you want to find out what engages you. That's why I use Linux Academy is I can use it to discover what engages me. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash coders to take advantage of our special coder radio discount and to give the coder radio show credit. For your visit. That's linuxacademy.com slash coders. So what's great about Linux Academy? Well, they've got step-by-step video courses on topics ranging everything to do with Linux, AWS, OpenStack, DevOps, setting up entire workflows, scenario-based training, and you can pick from 7-plus Linux distributions. They'll automatically adjust the courseware to match the distribution you've chosen, and then they'll walk you through something end-to-end. You get to see how long each section is going to take. There'll be quizzes along the way. You can take some of this content offline and listen to it. They have live streams to help give you some direction when needed or answer questions. And they have active communities. But what's really cool is as you go along in these different, base, in these different labs, when a lab requires a server, they just spin it up for you. Boom! They've spit right there, too, which is great if you're doing like an AWS course. Because then you don't have to worry about fiddling with all the AWS account stuff. And if you're going to get billed... Linux Academy takes care of all of that. And as long as you're a Linux Academy subscriber, you get access to all of the content they have. And they're adding new courses and new features all the time. One of the new features they recently added, I think, is really great, especially for someone like me. It's learning plans. Learning plans allow the user to select their daily availability. And based on that availability, a study plan will automatically be created. Learning plans will give you the lessons, quizzes, labs that are due on each day and even send you email reminders to say, hey, there's an item due on this day. Based on your availability, it will even give you a projected completion date of the course with some extra time included for studying, of course. It's pretty neat. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. Go over there, take advantage of our discount, and check them out. Try, try just a few different courses out and see what grabs you, what engages you. 
I think it's a pretty good opportunity to try out a whole bunch of different stuff. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders and great work to those guys. Brand new website design, a whole bunch of new courseware they've been working on. They've really doubled down. And it's been perfect. As they've come on as advertisers, the growth over there has really been phenomenal. It's been super cool to see them go. And we've gotten a lot of successful reports. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Okay, so we're going to get through the rest of these emails. I swear it is our mission. Uh, so uh, PT Dave, or, or I'm sorry, PC Wiz, too many P's. Uh, he writes in, he says, Confused curiosity is a subject. Having started, or at least thought about starting, a number of projects, I keep finding myself stuck at the bottom of a daunting mountain of code, he says. Uh, it seems like everything is a simple concept to do, X, Y, display like Z, boom, 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 done. But as it, then, as I started, it, it seems to take an age to implement, and things which seem simple on their own but are overwhelming as a collective. I guess I struggle with focusing on one thing at a time, always thinking once I implement this section... There are several more equally important sections that need doing. I often find myself doing round-robin development. A couple of bits here, a couple of bits there. This seems dangerous and slow, though. If I'm constantly switching back and switching tasks, then I'll never completely focus on one thing. And at the same time, I get caught up in the technical detail of something and feel I need to come back to it later, which sometimes does help. Is this a sign that I'm always going to be unruly and unfocused as a developer? Or am I likely to grow out of this with a little bit of wisdom? I would also be interested to know if other people have the same problem and if they have any strategies for their focus. Listening to JB forever. Thanks, PC Wiz. So, Mike, is he a sloppy developer doomed to dysfunction for the rest of his life? What I'm is your judgment? So. Oh, I'm afraid so. That's fair. All right, moving on. Next email. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this honestly, when I was reading this, I was like, this sounds like he's young to me. Yeah. Um, and also just curious. And and learning what scratches the itch and what doesn't. And then getting somewhere that you thought was going to scratch that itch, turns out didn't scratch that itch. This all sounds normal to me, really. Yeah, it sounds like something you might do in college when you need the money. Or, I'm sorry. or you when you're yeah. a podcaster in his 30s and needs the money. What? What? Or what? doesn't even need the money, but just, what? What? No. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. Where are we, where are we going? No, I think this? PC Wiz, don't, don't stress about it. You need yeah. to find your Zen man and just wait for something to strike your fancy, and then you'll get all consumed by it. And until then, just float around and have fun. It's in your, you're in your experimental phase. It's totally fine. Don't, you don't need to be in a long-term committed relationship, dude. Just move around. Be open. It's cool. Some people never settle down, but I, I, I think you eventually uh. will. I think you will. And it's with wisdom that will happen. Okay. It's a judgment-free zone today. Yes, exactly. Carl writes in, and uh, this is the one I've been ra- waiting to read all day. I can't believe we finally made it to Carl's email after all of this. Uh, so he writes in. He says, first, I love the show. Keep up the awesome work. Well, thank you, Carl. I love you. I love you, Carl. <laughs> okay. He says, I'm a full-time programmer for IBM. Look at that. Look at him just calling it out right there. Have you Damn. noticed the IBMers sometimes blue. do that? I like that. I, I hope that's because IBM is cool with it. And because I've noticed the IBMers just call it out. Other people are like, I work for a big company that you've totally heard of. And we do things that are totally known, but I'm not going to say who. That's like what most people do. And yeah, ca- but Carl's like, boom, big blue. The impression that they're like in their cubicle with the lights off at night under their desk yeah. typing out the yeah. email. Which is funny because most of the time I either think Oracle or IBM. So, you know, <laughs> okay. No, I think IBM's open. Oracle? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he says, but also I spend a lot of my spare time working on side projects to keep my skills, which go unused in my 9 to 5 fresh and up-to-date job. It's the enterprise, he says, and most projects are borderline legacy from the start. I'm expecting my first child, and I'm worried that the skills which I use outside of the enterprise, those which I enjoy and plan to use in order to advance my career in another direction, are going to get rusty. My question how do you maintain a healthy work-life balance when you have a family? What are some tips for how to stay current in technologies while starting a new family? And he has a quote here from Hank Paulson. The quote is, I don't know anyone who's been very successful in their career and say, I screwed up my personal life and I had a great career, so I'm happy. I, th- I assume I had an accent like that because I liked it. So, Mike, you're a recently married man. You have any thoughts on the work-life balance? Before I, I'll share my thoughts too. But I wanted to open the floor for you first, as a newlywed. I'm a reasonably married man. No, reasonably recently married. Oh, man. recently. Yeah. Oh, 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I got uh, talking to you from the wife just this weekend about skipping family functions to work over the weekend. So, uh, oh, really? Chris, share your wisdom. Oh, do you want to share any more than that, or are you just going to leave it at that? No, no, I, I, think, I think it's best we let that one there, just in case there are, are uh, you know, ears on the, on the street. Well, today. I will give, I'll give Carl, I'll impart a part of my wisdom onto Carl. So, uh, Carl, you probably know my story. I've got three kids. My oldest is uh, five. He'll be six uh, at the, after, the, after the New Year. And um, I think what I did for a long time is I decided – I tried to as much as possible. I got – because I was kind of worried about the same thing because at the time when my kids were first born, I was an IT contractor. And this was a much more um, – you know, keeping my – skills with a Z current was much more of a concern because it made me more employable as a contractor. So uh, I uh, I guess what I would impart onto you is uh, allow yourself the freedom to not give a shit for about five years about that. Because if you really actually enjoy it like you say you do, you'll pick it back up. And you'll be surprised it's not actually that hard to start riding the bike again. Uh, I think probably one of my greatest mistakes was I didn't allow myself enough of a don't give a shit you know i was work harder you know you have to work on the network you have to work on your your contracting skills and looking back on it i think that was probably uh, a bad decision and i think you kind of suspect that might be the case based on that quote you said you know i don't know anyone who's been very successful in their career and say well i screwed up my personal life but i had a great career so i'm happy it doesn't work like that even though you think it will it doesn't actually work like that you think uh if you make your, you know, if you, you your, your, your line of thinking, perhaps, I don't mean to presume for you, but it, it could be, sounds like you want to get out from IBM eventually. So you're thinking to yourself, if you keep your skills current, and if you're going to be able to leap, you can't afford a lapse in, in moving your skills forward, because what you want to eventually be able to do is leap out of IBM and land somewhere else. And the key to actually making that work is being totally ready to hit the ground running when you land in that new job. And the only way to make that happen is by keeping your skills current and working on side projects. And if you lapse on that even a little bit, then because you're already at such a disadvantage because of your 9 to 5 at IBM, that you're really going to have a hard time and you're going to struggle and it might not work and you might lose out on this dream. And that's the dream is what's keeping you motivated to keep going back to IBM every single day. And so it seems like a lot to just not give a shit for about five years. But trust me when I say you will be amazed at how fast, I know everybody tells you this, but it is very true, how fast that five years will go. And I think you'll also be surprised at how good of a job you still will manage to do to keep your skills current if you actually do care, because opportunities here and there will come up and you just to take advantage of those as you can. But I would say, Carl, carefully consider how you balance your priorities going forward. Because, based on your email, I see warning signs that you could be trending, my friend, in the wrong direction. But I also see signs that you, re- you realize it. So that would be my advice. And, and as Mr. Dominic can attest, you know, sometimes you get lucky and someone yells at you over the weekend and says... Yes, yes, it's, it's quite refreshing. Well, I mean, it's, it's hard when it happens, but at least you're told before it goes so far that it becomes a major problem and, you know, it breeds resentment or you've missed out on some something that, you know, you can't ever happen again. So it is bad in one way, but in some ways it what will happen is if you have a support network around you of people who, quote-unquote, support you unconditionally, sometimes they won't give you the bad news and you'll be expecting these people to tell you to press the brakes when you need to be pressing the brakes, but they don't want to be the ones to slow you down. They want to be supporting you so they won't say anything. Yeah, I don't have that problem. Right. And I actually think that's a good thing. I think, you know, I mean, I know it's hard to get yelled at, but in another sense, like well, sometimes no, we good, need right? that check and balance. Yeah. I mean, one thing is like, especially if you're thinking of going the self-employed route, um, it's very easy. And, and well, Chris has employees now, too. So but it's very easy to forget to like, I don't know, pay yourself, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, like I have literally and, and not even for financial reasons, but forgotten to pay myself. Oh yeah, like just just straight up, like didn't do it. Oh yeah, yeah. If I yeah, if I had to do all that kind of stuff, I would I yeah. would never. It's it, the worst. It, it, it's easy to kind of I don't know because for a while there, and and I know we've had some people write into the show saying you don't cover as many new technologies anymore, and I think that's a fair criticism. Um, but it kind of ties in. A while ago, I was very worried about like radical shifts in technologies, right? Just like wiping me out. Then I started to realize it doesn't matter. 
And then ironically, what I was worried about did happen, right? Apple came out with a language to compete with Objective-C. Mm-hmm. And I think if you look in, in your tea leaves to replace Objective-C, right? I th- yeah, I think so, eventually. And it still doesn't really matter, right? Right. It's like, you know, I, I make fun of the Node.js people because they frankly deserve it. But, you know, Java's still around. Rails is still around. ASP is still... ASP in its various horrible for- formats is still around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. God, even PHP hasn't died yet. Anything that gets enough adoption and momentum never really goes away, right? One thing, you know, I've always been... I, I like to play with backend stuff. For the client side, and this is, took me a while to realize, it doesn't matter. Like, all the client cares about is, am I getting something I can parse? Right. Right now, that is JSON, right? Yeah, but yeah. who knows? In five right. years, yeah. it might be, you know, ASON or yeah. Acon. It might be Acon the rapper. Right, yeah. <laughs> just bringing it back from the past. Um, it, it doesn't matter. Like, oh, your client's written in Objective-C. Yours is in Swift. Yours is in C-sharp. Yours is in JavaScript. Right. Well, unless there's some horrible bug... You know, assuming yeah. all things are equal, where there's no issue with I, the platforms. I would argue we're starting yeah, right. to see that now. Like uh, when you and I did our our, our review of uh, Overcast several weeks ago, right? You know, I think one of the things that we both walked away from this is this, uh, in some ways, feels a little bit like the future of mobile app development because eighty five percent of that app is all server side, and then it delivers all the results over a JSON feed, and then the Objective-C code, where he's using all standard controls, is what assembles it and displays it on the screen. But that could just as easily be an Android app. It could be a, And he also already has it as a web app, right? Because the, he has a podcast client that doesn't even have RSS feed capabilities. It doesn't right. even... Because the server subscribes to the RSS feeds. The client doesn't well, even bother it, with RSS. It's a thin client-server model, right? So the client is literally a stupid client. Like, it's a stupid terminal to the server. He can even reorder the way the menus appear on the server side. Yep. That's and that, that's got to be the way. And so then you write minimal. You write minimal objective. Well, I don't know how minimal because I know he's probably got a lot of custom stuff in there. But you yeah, get my I mean, point. There's a lot of UI stuff. Probably. Yeah, that does seem that. And so, you know, I think going back to Carl's email, like you you do have to worry about losing some of the trends. But in a way, if you've got the passion and you've ridden the bike before. You step back for a little while, and when you come back into it, you can pick up and just sort of embrace what's happened, and sometimes you come out with a fresh perspective. So, Carl, in some ways, you, you, you are in such a great position because you've got a good 9-to-5 that will, that will look good, great on a resume from a, a well-known, respected company sure. that you can live at and, and continue to work at while you know, your family gets established. And then, you know, you will have the fresh opportunity to look out there and sort of embrace something as you start to feel your schedule naturally opens up over the next few years and you can start to just sort of indulge in that passion again and it'll work out. And I, I think we get so wrapped up in like in like such short time frames and we need to think more in like 30, 40 year time frames, I think, when, when we're thinking about our careers and stuff. Well, well the other thing too is, you know, you say follow the trend. Well, there are little trends and there are big trends, right? For right. instance, cloud computing, very big trend. Yeah, even whatever the stupid guy, name is, yeah. Right. If you're a back-end guy and you didn't follow that trend, you have problems. Right. But any particular web framework, like I would say of the recent web frameworks, Rails is probably the biggest trend only because it got it came at the right time, right? right? Like, like we needed something you know, more. I'll give you another example. Like, and, and sometimes you can spot it. And I think, not to toot our own horn, but we totally called Docker like way long yeah, time ago. way right? up in front. Right. And because you could just tell this is a big trend. This is something. And now just last week, Microsoft has announced Docker container support on the next yes, version of Windows Server. Yes, huge. Right? That is huge. You know, there is a lot of enterprise with the capital E folks who, frankly, only buy from Microsoft. Yes. So the fact I, that you they could, can now. But you yeah. could now, from when we started, when we started talking about Docker to now, there are actually going to be jobs that are just Docker specialists, people who just work with Docker. Like, that's going to be a whole job now. That's well, amazing. Think about even, even how much DevOps has grown since we started this show mm-hmm. for, to today, right? It's huge. Special think about CodeShip. We had the CTO from CodeShip on. Mm-hmm. All that stuff didn't exist when we started this show. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> And now Docker's like got like millions and millions and millions and millions and right. millions in funding. They're integrated with Red Hat Enterprise Linux. They're going to be integrated with Windows Server. It's it's unbelievable. 
and uh, and it so it shows you like there's there are ways and I guess you know another way Carl's stay tuned to podcasts because there's ways where you can you'll be able to from just meta following this stuff see big trends emerge and and follow podcasts you don't necessarily agree with too right I listen to all the yeah you know all the dot net podcasts I can find even though I don't really do any dot net. I will. Uh, I will infrequently. I, th- I. I can't remember what show I'm setting. I think it's like before TechSnap. I think Windows Weekly is on, and I'm not a big Windows user, but I'll tune in and watch a little uh, Paul Thrott and Mary Jo Foley. Uh, sort of. Why, he's he's always so sad. Well, because he's always having to make up excuses for for the really dumb things Sachin Nadella says. He. Hey, listen. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm not even going to touch it. I'm just saying, man. I'm just walking saying. away from that. All right. Okay. Dropping it like. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to get into that. Yeah. yeah. I don't need it. No. Uh, okay, so uh, there you go. That I guess the whole show is pretty much <laughs> that was a, that was a great show actually. <laughs> it was both a terrible and a great. We show. were all over the place, I think. Uh, all right, so go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com/slash/contact and do me a solid because next week I'm gonna be frazzled. So we're gonna want a lot of feedback. So this makes me feel better. It's like coming home to warm supper. Mister Dominic, is there anywhere you'd like to send people during the yeah, week? Go to uh, Twitter at Fingertip Tech. There you go at Fingertip Tech. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Elias. Chris L-A-S, easy for me to say. And uh, we're going to be tweeting while we're down at Ohio Linux Fest, too. So if you're in the area, come say hi to us next week in October. What is that, the 24th, 23rd, something like that? Should be pretty cool. like to see everybody there. All right. And don't forget, JBLive.TV, Mondays, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Coda Radio. We'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>